fashion. Is it one of those random ones that's on the side of the road that just sells it to you? Yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. wearing like iron gauntlets and they're nothing else, and you're like, what are you doing? Well, like, as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I kept on associating Skuma as this hyped-up cocaine catnip hybrid. That's essentially what it is. I just thought it was drinks no. from Catland. I didn't. It not is, but there. essentially, it's like it's like really bad for us, like right, like for human the human races and the elf races. But it's okay for cats. For cats, it's normal, like catnip. Oh. oh. Okay. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> no, we are not talking about Elder Scrolls or Skyrim or Can we do that in another episode? The dangers of skooma on the human me. frame. <laughs> do you think Jen could stomach playing? No, I just have no idea. I literally all of that was We'll words. give her the mobile you were saying words. I have, I have a switch. We could, you know. We'll give her blades. Oh, to Jen, Elder Scrolls means that somebody in some library somewhere found something really old. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I have played video games, I mean, but Elder I don't Scrolls. do it as, like, a full-time hobby. No, it's, 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 it's a heck of a good game. It's, a how many life, it's probably the most played game in my, in my life, how many, you know, based on hours invested. But I could tell you how many hours I have invested. <laughs> today's episode, dear listeners, is about graphic novels. Yes. Right? <laughs> oh. Was, was that the, the turning of the page? No, that's like an action. <laughs> oh, like I heard. Like, I'm like, is that the turning of a page? I was thinking what? Spider-Man. Pew 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 pew. <laughs> oh, I, I like the. I, I like it. You know, this is gonna be. <laughs> Which it, you know, we could easily turn this into like a later discussion on uh, audio, like graphic novels turned audiobooks. It's a big thing, because how do you take something so heavily visual and turn it into an audio? It's. Yes. We'll talk during <laughs> Audiobook Appreciation Month, with, which is in June. It's 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 drawing nigh. But Wait, no, 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 no. Yes. Nothing else happens in June except Pride. That's just how that works. So you got to read gay audiobooks in June. <laughs> so I just have to read audiobooks in June? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Like, that's, that's easy. I have a list. Pride graphic novels turned into audiobooks. We're going to find it. <laughs> Actually, that yeah, that could be that's yeah. Check yeah. please, audiobook. Check please, yeah. audiobook. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so yes, we're going on to audio or graphic novels this this particular episode. However, we have to get the get the cool part, the fun part. We're gonna start with Grant, the Lord Ish. <laughs> what are you reading? Uh, I'm just about finished with On My Way to Paradise by Dave Wolverton. Oh, I yeah. like it. The more I read it, um, and I'm. I was hoping to get it a little bit earlier so I could read it for this episode, but um, Sabrina by Nick. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Nick something or other, but it was it was the first. Um, it caused a big hubbub when it was nominated, when it was like shortlisted for the, I think it was the Booker Prize or something. Some big book. Oh, of course. People Booker were weird. Prize. People were weird about it because it was a graphic novel. But anyways. Um, I just started that yesterday, um, so I guess that's what I'm currently reading. Those two thingamajiggies. I, I, I like that because I'm kind of curious about that as well. Because when you said, hey, it's maybe drawn in the, the, the style of like a military, I'm like, no, it makes me actually think of some military manuals I've seen over the years. Yeah, not The even. art style, like it's, it's makes me hurt a little bit <laughs> to remember those. <laughs> but no, it, it, it has a very every the art style feels very off in a weird way. Like it's very minimalistic. It, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting. Okay. But, yeah. Nick. 
next. We'll go around the table, I guess. Yes, it'll be you. I just this morning started rereading The Royal We by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan, which is like a satirical take on Will and Kate's relationship. You're just having a whole royal moment right now, aren't you? They're fun. They're, I read it last year, and just some of the humor is so just like absurd, but in a very understated way. Like, one of the characters they meet tangentially at college is called Penelope Six Names, because she has six last names. But then she gets married, and the whole friend group starts calling her Penelope Eight Names, because she has two more last names now. <laughs> and this is the kind of thing I just personally find hilarious. Sure. Sure. Um, oh, me. Okay. Yes, you. So I did look at my Skyrim hours count, and it's like 1,300 hours. Um... Good. <laughs> which doesn't compare to Sims, which is actually 2,200 hours, but we're just going to pretend that doesn't exist. Um, so I'm reading. <laughs> so Andy will remember this. The book I was talking, the gra- manga, manga, the manga I was talking about like on Monday that was really like, it was the anime or something that was really like crazy weird and like people died everywhere. So I'm reading the novelization of that and it's called oh. Another and it's by... Um, Ayatsuji Yukito. And thanks. I would have done that better, but you know, I had a hiccup. Um, I couldn't have done it, so good. It was it it's a it's a story about um it's a horror novel. It's a horror genre manga. So don't read it if you're really squeamish, trust me. <laughs> um don't watch the anime either if you're also really squeamish. Trust me, like you don't understand. <laughs> um, it's about basically like this kid, and he moves to a small town from Tokyo, and there's this weird uh, paranormal situation going on in his classroom where there's 31 people, but like one person is ignored in this classroom. Oh and yeah, he, you told me yeah, about that. And he's yeah. he's like. Why are we ignoring this person? And because he's moved in in the middle of the year, so he has no idea about the social like norms of this classroom, ends up not ignoring this person, and then everybody just starts dying. And so he has to figure out what the heck's happening. And there's a lot of plot twists in there, and I would recommend it if you really like, you know, mysteries and like, you don't mind that gory aspect of horror, but like yeah. otherwise, if you're squeamish, stay away, stay far away. Trust me. <laughs> you have absolutely no idea what you would get into. I am resuming reading because Ooh. I started it last year, got halfway through, and reached that point in the book where the character was going to do the very or no. The very thing that I suspected was going to happen to the character all along because of his baseline issue that he refuses to face <laughs> was about to happen. And I was like, Mm-mm, nope, doesn't happen if I don't read it. So <laughs> I, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back and read it. It's called Such Good Work by, uh, it's either Johannes Lichtman or Johannes Lichtman, depending on how you pronounce the J and where you're from in the world. Or maybe it's neither one of those things. The point is, anyway, um, it's a yeah book about a creative writing professor turned creative writing graduate student who has a drug addiction, but he's high functioning. So the only people who know about it are the people that he tells about it. And since you're in his head, you know everything. Um, and it's weird how much you want him to. 
stay addicted because he gets more done that way and he's maybe a nicer person it depends but like that's the whole journey of the book is that trying to like figure out at what point does he have a breaking point um so yeah it's really good it's very well written and not pretentious which is hard to do i think in a book like this so yeah i am reading in addition to a couple graphic novels which i've been They've been on my nightstand for like a few weeks now, and I just, my reading has been kind of dropping down a little bit. I'm still recovering from Starless Sea. (laughs) (laughs) Addie LaRue did some amazing things for that. Invisible Life, Addie LaRue, recommend. But what I, on the way. Who wrote that? Addie LaRue? Yes. Oh my God. V.E. Schwab. Oh, thank you. I'm like, she's a big name author. I love her. she is. Um, On the way to work this morning, I finished by Philip Pullman, Spring-Heeled Jack. Mm, But the audiobook adaptation, which, um, to describe the book in a quick nutshell, it's a Victorian superhero tale featuring the springiest of heroes and the most dastardly of villains, uh, Mac the Knife. Um, So just setting the tone there. It's wonderful. And because it's an audiobook, they even throw a whole cast into it and it I've never, I haven't seen an official list of who's all narrating, mm-hmm. but I'm picking voices out like, oh, there's my boy Alan. You know, he's, he's the narrator. Alan Corduner, he's great. But it, it's just wonderful. It makes me think like an old school radio drama slash children's theater experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the sound effects. There's one point where uh, something happens in the book and like three or four people like in chorus gasp. They're like, <gasps> but like it's so exaggerated and wonderful and delightful. And I'm it, it was... I'm sad it's done. It's. I might have to listen to it again before I write a review on it. Yeah. Um, just because it was so pleasant. It's only like two hours. Yeah. It's it sounds short. like you have a lot to like unpack and need to like hear again and reprocess. Too. Yeah. It's 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 a lot, and it's it's based on the book by Philip Pullman. Um, mm-hmm. And I might actually read that book too, just to see how the translation works. Because mm. um, yeah. I always like to see that. I'm also reading because I started it a few minutes after Spring Heel Jack finished. Um, a hundred thousand kingdoms by. <laughs> is it um? How do you say it? N.K. Jemison. Get out. <laughs> N.K. Jemison, folks. I yes. think Anthony's about to throw the hands. Queen. I I'm, well, I'm like 25 that. minutes into it, enjoying it <laughs> so far. Um, yeah, that's what I'm reading. Listen, if you want your queens of literature to not be transphobic. And to also be black and dreaded and just a bamf as a human, let alone as a writer, you should read N.K. Jemison. Just so you know, you know, no problematic authors here. Maybe I still we'll need to read the city next. we became. I need to read that one too because that one no. is like everyone loves it, Oops. and yeah, <laughs> I love the idea of her taking on Cthulhu <laughs> because why shouldn't she? Anyway, so a nice little segue oh. now into graphic novels. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> off topic, continue. No, I love it. Some of the off topic stuff is the best. But segueing into the graphic novel discussion, I want to start with uh, my most favoritist of complaints. When you have a parent come into the library uh, with their oh child, no. Whew, here we go. And they see the young reader, I don't care if they're a young reader, they could be five years old, could be 35 years old, but you know, if you're coming with your mother at 35, you know. Um, 
Uh, Less pictures, more words. Put it back. We had to swallow it in. Already. The silence was us not saying something. You know, the best part is, like, I've asked or projected numerous times before this podcast was ever conceived, hearing that discussion. Like, you you don't want to throttle this this sense into the parent. Oh, yes, you absolutely do. Okay, you want to, but you don't really want to because you value your Your profession, your job. And not going to no, jail. No, I value my profession and my job, which is why I immediately race over to the parents and be like, let me tell you something about graphic novels and children. That's a little different than um, throttling the life out of, or into. Or it's like. an intellectual throbbing, <laughs> which they require. Fair. Because fair. Island of the Blue Dolphins ain't cute. It ain't good. It's old. Leave it back there. Sorry, that's the one that I get all the time where people are like, but why can't my children just read Island of the Blue Dolphins? Why do they have to read the latest Raina Telgemeier? Because Raina Telgemeier writes good books. So there's, we're going to start with that. Sorry, people. Um, yeah, take a drink every time Anthony's really, had a parent suggest their child read Island of the Blue Dolphins. Yes. <laughs> we would be in the hospital. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> so, it is so bad. It is First of all, there's that. But second of all, it is so... I don't know what people are thinking when they suggest I want my child to have like to read books that have more words on the page because that has never been a metric for good reading for quality of style for I mean for anything like adults read whatever they want to read and get away with it but as soon as you have to teach a child how to read it's like well now you have to, you know, get rid of the pictures, and now you have to read words, and it's like, well, okay, your eight-year-old still needs pictures, but because you swallowed some bile at some point in your life, you think that they should just abolish their pictures to be more intelligent. That's not how reading works. I could go on about this. There's right? a whole negative there's, stigma. There's, there's two things <laughs> I can think of related to the points you're bringing up. Yes. <laughs> One of which is word size on a page drastically depends on the actual physical size of the book. Yes. A hardcover, mm-hmm. a trade paperback, and a mass market paperback are yep. all going to have different amounts of words on the page. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yep. the reason some mass market paperbacks are like 700 pages long is because they are so tiny and they have tried to cram a regular size hardcover into a tiny, tiny paperback. Right. Secondly, I'm wondering if some of this like parental like miscomprehension of graphic novels mm is because sometimes the word comic book gets used so interchangeably with them. And I think they're thinking like, I don't need my kid reading the Archie comics you can find in the grocery store checkout. I need them reading a book. And they don't but you get, know, which they is, don't get that some graphic novels yeah. are not, like there are plenty that are just cute little comic booky, fun stories, still fun, still worthy of reading. Yeah. And that there are some that are more like novelistic in their style yeah. that I have think, a little more substance than your Archie comic. But having mm. grown up reading Archie comics, and yeah, they're a little formulaic in their humor, but there's something something. To be oh yes, and Daniel Steele, she's totally not oh, yeah. formulaic. But I'm it's like sorry. even even an Archie comic <laughs> graphic novel, the little the, the little digest, double yeah. digest, you get it like the end caps in grocery stores if they still put them there. As far um, as I know, presumably. But yes, there's a certain humor in there. It goes back to like a Keystone Cop kind of a. Keep going. Oh, he's running. <laughs> <laughs> but there's he has to throttle some. There are there is interesting humor in the vein of Monty Python, in the vein. No, of, and like I, which have, there are still I like think, sixteen thousand yeah. Archie comics in my parents' basement of mine. Like I am not devaluing yeah. the Archie comics. No, no, I didn't think you were, but it's like for anyone to like argue that like it there's so much to be taken from that and 
like even like a very simple graphic not or comic book there's so much to like glean from that some of my um, and this would be a point like I I'm trying to think which comic slash graphic novel it is there's a DC comic one where Batman's talking about um, Superman and he says uh, it is difficult not to think of Clark Clark is Superman just what? in case you didn't know spoiler alert oh my god why'd you tell but me that it's difficult not to think of Clark as a god uh, flying above and raining down fire from the skies and how fortunate we all are that it does not occur to him and it, I mean that sums up I, I think one of the core elements of like why I personally love Superman is because he is one of the most physically powerful characters in the DC mm -hmm. um, collection but he's probably one of the most human and that was actually a line that I loved in um, if I'm going to give it credit, the Joss Whedon version of the Justice League, if I'm going to give it any credit, there's one line that Bruce Wayne says, he's like, about Clark Kent, he's like, hey, he's more human than I am. I mean, he comes from a different accurate. planet, but he's more human. Very accurate. I still haven't watched a four-hour movie. Well, no, the, the Joss Whedon one was a two-hour one we got in oh, true. But, no, I, so, like, comics, there's still so much to be artwork, literature, which, the less word thing, um, there's a message conveyance um, that the art can There's, use. like, a context to the thing. And the one thing that, like, I remember growing up in, like, school and stuff is they always just taught you about context clues, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to, like, standardized testing. Yeah. Because, like, in your standardized tests, especially as a teenager, you read a passage, and then they ask you questions about it, and it all has to do with what did you infer from yes. this specific piece of text? What did you think about this? And mm -hmm. it's always got something to do with a context clue. And when you're reading a graphic novel or a comic, which is also technically considered a graphic novel, or a manga, which is also technically considered a graphic novel, it... I was actually going to ask you later. Yeah. I'm like, hey, what's the difference between manga and graphic novel? There, I know. There's actually... But... So graphic novel, like, it's more so the umbrella term mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. Um, it's got more of a... I would say more of the format than the genre. The more... Yeah, it's more of a format. Okay. But, like... Graphic novels like Persepolis or Mouse, it's a little bit more choppier, but like with manga, you basically read it as if it's an episode and you just read it. The book opens up backwards instead of reading left to right like we normally do in the United States, it's right to left. Otherwise, other than that, there's not much difference. It reads exactly the same as a normal graphic novel. So if I read something like the first book of Bleach, and then I read, like, a Batman, The Dark Knight, or V for Vendetta, the graphic novel versions. They basically read the exact same. It's just one reads different from the other. And it depends on how you want to read it. But yeah. when I was a kid, reading graphic novels slash manga, at the time it was more so manga for me, but, like... My mom was just happy having me read, mo like, something. <laughs> like, that was the main point. Ooh, but, yeah. like, also, like, you get a lot of context clues from the way that they're drawn. Like, the characters are drawn. Like, yes, there might not be a lot of words on the page, but, like, at the end of the day, your ca the character's going to say something. So Grant will say something to Jen. Hi. But... <laughs> The way that he's drawn in the in the scene, a lot of stuff can be inferred from the way that his eyes look in the in the picture, the way he's yeah, you're getting facing, the same effect. 
for a graphic novel as yes. it would just be if you, you know, hi, Grant said angrily or something like that. Right. Like, or when it's you're... the same thing. Yes. Or if you're watching, like, a TV show and you watch the director, like, the director's vision as he walks in the room and says hello. But at the same time, he's thinking about something else. So he looks, like, completely, like not in the moment and you notice that as an audience member you notice that in the book when the author tells you it just seemed like he wasn't all that there when he said hello obviously there's something wrong let's ask him about yes, it you might be able you to see do that. in a panel or two of art what it takes yes. someone three paragraphs to do in text right it's a it's the the um image to text interaction yes is a little bit more important there because you might read the text, yeah, you just, okay, there's a simple statement, or no statement. It right. could be said isolated, just, you know. Those are also image. my favorite comic panels, is when there's absolutely no talking in between two characters, but they have completely separate facial expressions, and you literally yeah. watch over, like, five separate panels, their facial expressions change, and then another character walks in, hey, guys, what's going on? And they go, wait, 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 we have to keep this quiet. But they haven't been talking, but you know that they're keeping something a secret, and it's just really funny. Yeah, yeah it's... <sighs> like... Those types of things, like, my mom was just happy having me read something. She was more than happy to bring me into the library to, like, grab a graphic novel off the shelf while she looked at things. And the thing was, graphic novels aren't that long. Mm -mm. No. As a kid, I can knock out three or four of them at once. Like, just yeah, skimming just through. through. Yeah. But, like... You, you said something, and this is something I was thinking about like throwing into the discussion here but how do they encourage good readers and one peak way that they encourage readership is that they create a positive reading experience for readers mm -hmm. and your mother coming to the library and saying hey check out whatever you want check out whatever yeah. you want um is so supportive and it makes me so happy i don't even know your mother but i love your mother now um <laughs> i mean she could probably come in later <laughs> if you want i could text her we'll she could come in right after mom you want to come cookie? in she make um, yes she does actually <laughs> you really want me to but yeah what are other ways i mean if we were to like put like a little outline or a little list of ways what are other ways that it fosters good readership good reading amongst I mean, it just creating that good, positive reading experience. Um, yeah, I mean, so. I think the enjoyment, as you were saying. Yes. I think, as we were kind of implying earlier, too, the sense of understanding the relationship between the pictures and the text. Like, again, what you do in three or four paragraphs of just written dialogue, you might be able to do in a page or two of art. It's still those same interpretive skills that you need to develop to do like a, hey, you know, surface level, it says this, but I can tell from the pictures or the back description or whatever that clearly something else is happening on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Like, it still fosters those connections. It just happens in a different way. You could even argue with, like, having to infer from the, the visual cues on the page, the art, and not being told via the text. It's creating an opportunity for more critical uh, thought, Right. Going into because you're not being told what how they feel. Now you have to look. Okay, they look this way, which could you know, I mean, an art it, art on page isn't quite the same as looking at like a face in person. Yeah. But it could teach you to look for make you maybe facial more cues e in like real life person. Yeah. By looking for that 
can and I wonder if it you. could help too for people who are just more sort of visual learners mm-hmm. in a sense who need pictures and textbooks and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing if you read the graphic novel Macbeth versus the play Macbeth I feel like that has to help a lot especially for something like a Shakespeare yeah. which yeah. I just pulled out of my butt as an example but like they're plays you are, you are meant to watch them you are not meant to sit there and read the text of the play by yourself necessarily in a quiet room with nothing happening and I think the graphic novel can help do more of the experience where you can actually figure out and understand, oh, this is what the scene with the witches means with the visuals of it happening, right. rather than trying to sit there and read it to yourself in a quiet room. You so can far. see those context clues easier through that. You can't really see right now, but my, like I'm staring at you for a second, like my mind's kind of exploding. Like, are there graphic novels of Shakespeare's work? Yes. I just, yeah. I haven't come across yet. Yeah. Yes. Oh my. It, there are graphic novels of so many classic works. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, we were talking, I think, a few weeks ago, Metamorphosis, which I actually criticized that a little bit. It was good. But I thought for a second, I'm like, it's, it was so empty. Like, I can't remember what I said about it exactly, how I said it. I think you said it, it, made, you, it made you feel empty, but maybe, maybe that was the point. point so. Maybe. Because I felt like there, it... Yeah, and I mean, maybe, you know... Can you do a decent graphic novel adaptation of everything? Sure, but maybe this wasn't the version. Maybe no, this, there is just something. I, think I don't after, know. I've never read it, so I am... We have it. It's it's pretty fun. Um, it just... Once I thought that, like, maybe that was the point, I have a different appreciation. Like, that idea makes you want to bump it up on Goodreads and half star or a star. Also fair. Um, we, I still have it home, sitting on my TV Red shelf, the Anne Frank okay. mm. graphic novel adaptation. God. Artwork is... Which... You know how it ends. No, it's it's, that's, that's the problem I'm having. Well, the like, artwork oh. is so beautiful. Like I'm like I'm in love with the cover. I'm like I'm sorry, and like it's almost more damaging just because it's an, a, a cartoon uh, representation. Because you can of see her. that character or oh. real real life human being, but you can see it emphasized yeah. yeah. a little bit better. Oh. I think with graphic novels too, there's more of so when you watch TV, like <laughs> you get like those people who are into the viewership and you have those people who are like hanging on the edge every single week to watch the new episode of like The Walking Dead which is also a graphic novel series by the way totally would recommend reading that series Mm -hmm. as a graphic novel Um, it's fantastic but like there's that episodic like quality when you read graphic novels when you read a chapter it's like an episode Mm -hmm. just full stop and that is something that like younger readers who watch like the Amazing World of Gumball, or like Camp Camp, or like something that is cartoonish, and they go to the next episode and they wait for like a week, and they're like, "Oh, I can't wait for this new episode to come out that comes out when I watch my Saturday morning cartoons or something like that." Mm-hmm. In graphic novels, you get that feeling as well, especially with like, let's say it's part of a series, mm-hmm. like with a manga series, like you read the whole entire like first book of Bleach. Mm-hmm. And let's just say, for example, so ble- the whole entire series of Bleach is out, but let's pretend for like a hot second that it's not. You sure. wait for the next book or mm-hmm. in terms of like how they have these giant books of manga that comes out weekly that ends up becoming those graphic novels or bigger like number two of this book which is like three different like things that yeah, they like put the in the weekly edition things in mm-hmm. like the shonen jump stuff like 
you're sitting there waiting for your weekly episodic episode. It's just in reading format instead of watching format. Mm-hmm. And you're still getting all that cool stuff, like, context clues-wise. Yeah, all those reward chemicals in your brain. All those going reward on. chemicals. <laughs> we were discussing before you, like, when you stepped out, we were discussing, like, what are the benefits? Like, how does, how do graphic novels create positive reading experiences for? Well, first of all, they're fun. I did that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you yes. know, like, okay, this is the thing that <laughs> I, 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 like, <laughs> I want English teachers to continue, because they're doing it, thankfully. Um... And I want them to continue to grill parents into this understanding that your child will not advance as a reader if reading is not fun for them. Yes. Yes. Period. There are freaks of nature like myself who I don't care what you were going to do. I don't care what neighborhood I was born in, what parents I was born to. I was going to read a book because I'm that person. Yep. But there are people like my brother who are terrified of reading. Like, it's not just like, a, oh, you know, he's not good at it or, oh, he has some learning disability or what. No, it could be some of those things. But some yeah. people just don't either don't enjoy it, don't see what the big deal is. Yeah, like, what's that stat? Like, one, like, the average American adult reads, like, one book a year or something like that. Yeah. If that. Right. Yeah. And there's a larger discussion, of course, there to be had about, like, what is the actual significance of reading to society at large in general? That's a whole di- yes. different discussion. But in terms of childhood, if you want your child to advance as a reader, find them stuff they like. Okay. Yeah. Period. And if it happens to be Pete the Cat and they're still 10 and reading only Pete the Cat books, guess what? Doesn't matter because they're loving it. At some point, they're going to stop and move on to something else because that's what read. That's what people do when they get, you get bored of something that you've read a million times and you just move on to something else. I mean, that's... Uh, it's literally that simple. Like I wish it was something that was more complex than that, but it's, it's not. It's not that complicated. You know, also too, like I, I can't cite examples right now, but I was reading an article about graphic novels some time ago that some graphic novel fonts are being considered with a dyslexic reader in mind. Yes. So the fonts yes. are being the fonts selected are dyslexic friendly fonts. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I mean, you know? as much as we hate on Comic Sans, it was originally created for dyslexic readers. Yes. Why do we hate Comic Sans? It, it's the meme. I know. It's, I the, <laughs> it's the meme. People just, hate on it, but it's actually yeah. made for dyslexic readers. Like, really, I, I have no problem with Comic Sans. Like, I don't use it. I expect you to start making all of our flyers in Comic Sans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's going to be exaggerated. Comic I've created Sans. a monster. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> I've created a monster. <laughs> um, no, that's... We also decided, I, I, I don't know who all read what, but we uh. had our, one of our illustrious colleagues uh, pick out a few, co- or a few comics, graphic novels to read. Same diff. Um, Mouse, mm-hmm. Persepolis. I always feel like I'm butchering it and saying it wrong. Mm-hmm. And an American-born Chinese. Yes. 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 <laughs> really open we have page. a lot of deep thoughts about these books. <laughs> Wait, do we? Oh, I sorry, I didn't do read you, any of them. Did you even look at them? I have before in the history of my readership. <laughs> okay, here's my thing. I think my particular enjoyment of graphic novels, I think, is still so new. I mean, I've read stuff but like it's I think it's still so new and so 
underdeveloped, if that's how where we want to go with it, that I read them the way, like with the same interest that I read when I was, you know, reading Encyclopedia Brown. I didn't realize that every single story in all 25 of those books was literally the exact same. They were structured to be the exact same. He found a shoe this time instead of a book, or he found a crown that so-and-so wore when he got beat up by the bully girl. Whatever. Like, they're all, but they're all the same. I only read them because I liked them. I liked the way that Encyclopedia Brown stories made me feel, so I read them. When you have a working formula, it works. It works, right. So yeah. I, that's that's where I am when it comes to reading graphic novels. So the minute someone says, like, this was important, I back way far away. I'm like, oh, nope. <laughs> like, I tried Mouse. It isn't my thing. It may at some point be my thing, but I couldn't. Like, I was like, ooh, nope, hard pass. It's somewhat dry because mm. it is like largely interviews between him and his dad, you know. Uh, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Don't you also not really love World War II, like, regular fiction? Quote unquote. Yeah, I don't really get it. Yeah, I mean, I know you yeah. love movies. Mood. Yeah, I'll do World but War II. Like, yeah. So, like, I also. Like, I guess it's not a surprise to me that, like, okay, if you don't like reading, I hate to say regular novels, but you know what I mean. Right, like novels that don't have pictures or yeah. novels that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, if you yeah. don't like a regular World War II novel, why would you like Mouse? Yeah, but I mean, like, this even stretches to, like, right, like, I've read a lot of Batman comics and still have some that I really just want to get to, like Nightfall. I need to get to Nightfall because mm-hmm. it's Nightfall. <laughs> but The Dark Knight Returns, I tried to read The Dark Knight Returns because... It was on Time's list of like best 100 novels of all time because, and it was significant because it's the first graphic novel to ever hit the New York Times bestseller list. Mm-hmm. I hated it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like, I get what you're trying to do, Frank Miller, but you're trying to make Batman important, and like he already was. Next, like I just like it just was <laughs> it just didn't work for me. Like I knew what he was doing, and I knew how it changed the way that Batman was written from that point forward, and that's great. I love that, but I just didn't care. Like, I didn't ha- love it. I didn't want this version of Batman. I didn't, like, it wasn't my Batman, which doesn't really make any sense, but whatever. I was just like, eh. So I kind of feel like that's, my brain does this thing whenever mm-hmm. it's an important or an award-winning or whatever. I just kind of go, eh, okay. I just want, like, you know, cute boys baking stuff for each other and kissing behind the corner on the hockey field. I was going to say, check the hockey field. Is it the hockey, the height, what? Is it a rink? Rink? <laughs> An arena? Arena, oh, right, yeah. It's but, ice uh, hockey. Sure. sure, sure. Until we're all huge hockey fans here. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, like, I love, like, <laughs> you all know Why I'm am I the most butch person in this room? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I read both of those, and I still didn't know that they were arenas. Because um, all I cared about was the baking and the kissing. With a, a lot of hockey thrown in there, but hey, whatever. You know what's funny? He, he, we're going from this back to me. I like the baking and the kissing. Yet, like, a couple of podcasts ago, he's like, I like the death and despair. It's such a heartwarming exactly. book. Exactly. <laughs> okay, first of all, I think I think it just depends. Like, I, I think I have read, I have a history of... I have a reading developed history, or that's a really terrible way of putting that, but of reading non-graphic novels. Right. So I've reached a point where 
I don't like to like I don't like easy stuff anymore. Like I'm like if you're gonna if you're gonna bring it to me, author, and give okay. it to me in 300 pages, punch me in the face like on page one. Like let's go. Um, I haven't arrived at that point at graphic novels yet because I just haven't read enough. So I'm still at that baby stage of like if it's not fun, I don't want it. You might like Ben of the three that we picked: American Born, Chinese, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I have not tried that. One. And I still need to get to Persepolis, but I thought it, it was cute. Mouse is definitely a little bit drier. Um, you're right. I still love it, but it was it was affecting. But yeah. at times the descriptions, like because he, he's just recalling very specific names from his past and everything, it mm-hmm. kind of gets tired after a while. But yeah, that's just me. American Born Chinese though, uh, by Jean Luan Yang. It tells three stories going. There are three stories kind of concurrent in the book. Mm-hmm. There's the main line, the young protagonist. It's semi-biographical mm-hmm. for Jean Jean Luan Yang, and there's that main story of him just kind of growing up. Mm-hmm. There's also a Christian Judeo adaptation of the journey westward. So there's like the monkey king. He gets trapped. He gets imprisoned, but he gets help mm-hmm. from a wise old bearded, very a godly-like slash Christ-like old man. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the third story, which... It's been six years, don't look at me. Oh my, no, I'm just like... (laughs) It it starts as a white character playing on the the biopics, um, more Americanized version of the character, Danny, whose Mm. Chinese cousin, Chinky, comes to visit. And this character displays, and which is funny because it's a young adult graphic novel, all the stereotypes, negative, you know, that you could foist onto a Chinese character. Mm-hmm. They give it to this, this chinky character. Mm-hmm. And it's him, the character, dealing with his own embarrassment. Like, like he goes to school, he, he's Chinese, but he wants to be American. He wants to be, sure. like even the character in this third uh, story within American Born Chinese, he's very white, very blonde, he's good looking, he looks like the you know kind of big man on campus. And then his cousin comes and <laughs> he's like, That's real. I don't think like 1940s <laughs> movies were as racist to Asian films <laughs> as this one character, but <laughs> that's, Kind of the point that Yang is going for, mm-hmm. to and it's, it's a wonderful thing, but it, that would definitely make you feel a little bit happier. But I I, I, I really appreciate that one because I because of that graphic novel, that's how I started branching out into the journey westward, the, the legend of the Monkey King and mm-hmm. Asian myth, and it's it's really quite wonderful. But um, and briefly going back to Mouse, mm-hmm. um, similar to American Born Chinese with the racial caricatures. Um, that's kind of where he got his idea from, like Nazi. I, I, at least from what I've read, like yeah, Nazi why the, the Jewish people were portrayed as rodents, and then like the Polish people are portrayed as pigs, and mm-hmm. he just. But any, I think he said he wanted the whole metaphor to kind of self-implode by the end of the graphic novel, where you see that how stupid the you know splitting people up by these the whole racial hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. 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 What's that metaphor from uh, the Fault in Our Stars again that really fits that? There's a racial metaphor in. No, I use like the the metaphor for the. You put the killing thing between your teeth, but you don't have the power to do the killing. Oh, Oh, that one. You're on a roller coaster that only goes up. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Who did read? Anyone else read Mouse? No, no, I read Persepolis. I read Persepolis. Is that one good? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it would necessarily be like your favorite thing or not, but it's very. (laughs) 
No, like genuinely, yeah. I'm just, I don't know. Right. You would, like, I don't know if I'd be surprised either way if you liked it, I guess. Sure, sure. I didn't read the second one, but I feel like. I did reread both. Mm. I feel like I would need the second one to get the full experience. Yeah, the second the one really. The first one ends, like, it doesn't end abruptly or anything, but no, it but it's ends very... with a very, like, so it's her like, parents are putting her on a plane to get her out of Iran because the Iranian mm, revolution just happened mm-hmm. and, and they don't want her she's only like 15 and they don't want her mm-hmm. finishing her school experience in the way that the revolution was making it happen like the book starts, also spoiler alert she's traumatized we're not going to tell you why yes, she's, she's traumatized but she's, she's traumatized trauma mm-hmm. and then you even like the book starts when she's a little bit younger and like she's at a co-ed school in Tehran, I think. I think she's in she, Tehran. What is this but place called? The the revolution happens, yeah, and suddenly, they're in the their basement. The girls are separated. Mm. All of the little girls are forced to start wearing headscarves and full body coverings. This is to like school. Yeah. Mm. They keep learn like the history books get changed right in front of them. She's like, you know, one day we were told the Shah was the greatest man alive, and the next day, we were told he's, you know public enemy of the state number one or whatever and when she stands up and goes like but wait a minute that's literally not what you just told us like yesterday you know she gets in deep trouble <laughs> with all of the principles so dear listeners wow. just for context this whole entire book is about set in 1980 during the islamic revolution in yeah. iran yeah. and it's hence about the title. yeah hence the title and it's about i think the author is the same name yeah yes the author it's is autobiographical the same. yeah mm. marjan <clears throat> is telling her own childhood story oh right and so when she's so, like 15 her parents tell her that she's gonna go to school in France. Will come. I thought it was France. She visits Austria. She goes to Austria. I don't know. I don't remember. Because <laughs> <coughs> she went to a French school, so I thought that's why they were sending her to. Like, I'm gonna wiki it. Okay. Have either of you seen the film? Vienna. No. Okay. Vienna. She's in okay. Vienna in the second book. Oh. So Austria. Oh yes, because she does end up with her family's German friend. I remember this now. You know, this is kind of an interesting point that I was thinking, and it's to the doc, the work, the working Google Doc that I had up. You said, "What? What's entertainment? What's more entertaining?" Yeah. Which I was going to say, like these are good examples. Like these are very, and they can be subtle. They could have humor. They could have cuteness within them. Um, Mouse, maybe not too too much. But, <laughs> yeah, um, there are moments. In there are moments. There, there are moments, but like that one, always. Yeah, yeah, there's like yeah, yeah. It's dark humor. No, but I, yeah, I would not necessarily say Persepolis is a laugh riot. But whereas I pick up, um, say, the graphic novel collection, Court of Owls, it's more entertaining from like the Batman. Oh Court yeah, of Owls. yeah, Court of Owls. Or what would be another one? Check please. I haven't read it yet. Entertaining. So it, it's definitely cute. a lot more entertaining. It's so funny. But then you have. Yeah, Things like the Anne Frank, you know, um, American-born Chinese, which it's kind of a fine line, but then Persepolis, which is kind of teaching. It's a, it, it's still entertaining, but it's almost giving you, it's repackaging a lesson. Yeah, and that's when I say like one is more entertaining. There are some that some people set out to create a comic, a fun story, yeah. for more of a purpose of entertainment, whereas some people sure. sit down to write a story with a purpose of. Yeah. And just like in everything, which one gets more critical attention? But I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like, it's it it basically has taken on the spirit that all literature does at some points. Uh, you know, there are <laughs> poems that are written for memorization. Um, there are poems. That, I mean, Ogden Nash was every poet when he was alive mm-hmm. 
could not stand him. But he's the best best-selling poet of the country because his rhymes were easy. They were stupid, but <laughs> they were easy. Um, so like every like every literary like anything has that history of like not just history, but it's full of all kinds of things. And I think that's like it gets weird to me when people come along and they're like you can't read graphic novels for whatever reason and it's like why it's a thing that was meant to be read and they're not all the same because they've been around for a while like he <laughs> that's how yeah i don't know yeah but i think also yeah. maybe i'm asking humans if to you, not be human <laughs> but i also think too if you came up to a parent and you know they're trying to find something for their kid to read and you go here's hey kiddo it won 16,000 various professional Ugh. awards you know, it's a work of valuable literature the parent would be like okay well if it has all these awards stamped on the front it's got to be good yes and if you came up to the same parent same situation and you're like here's check please it's funny and cute it's a good story mm-hmm. but it's clearly a cute little graphic novel about a little hockey player who likes to bake who falls in love with another member of his team mm-hmm they're going to be like, no, that's trash. Go find me, you know, the diary fan Frank. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, I always trick, I always trick parents into understanding. It's not really a trick. It's just I tell them what they want to hear and their kids, I tell them, go pick out a graphic novel while I talk to your parents. <laughs> because, you know, parents do this all the time with kids where they want them to read, you know, something important. And it's like reading is important, period, full stop. Right. Full stop. I don't right. want to hear that it won some award and that's what makes it important. Guess what? So many books that win awards are boring yeah. and should never yes. be read. I mean, I was reading through, although this was not one of Fitzgerald's award-winning ones, I was reading through his like last novel. He only wrote six. This man compared a beach in like Versailles to a prayer rug. Compares a beach to a prayer rug, and this is one of the classic American canon authors. Throw him out. Throw everything he has out. He writes sentences like that. I don't <laughs> care how prestigious it is. I don't care how many classrooms have taught it. If it ain't good to the person reading it, don't read it. It's not important if it won an award. It's just what a group of people who've read a lot thought was important based upon what they read. And why do they always think that the most important things are sad? Well, because they're usually pretty sad people. That's clearly, <laughs> obviously. As one of those people. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it's a psychological thing. Like, people latch more onto traumas than they do onto happiness. Um, well, I think there's a narrative. I think it's a but, West, Western tradition thing to of narrative to believe that conflict is the whole point of a narrative. That you can't have a story outside of that, which is why Check, Please is one of the most precious stories to me as a creator not just as a reader because there is no defining central conflict the worst thing that happens is well will he like me <laughs> and it's not even well, that also, big of a like will he won't he like there's a little bit of like I said, there's a little bit of like navigating the perils of dating you know a professional sports a pre- star right exactly but it's like but it's not like it's not drummed up for drama like it's not made to be a thing there's no moment where the two of them realize this was a bad idea oh no and then they break up and this is tr- like no, no but it's literally also, just like a like yes in the actual like the present day events of the story yes like there's not a lot of like high drama high conflict yeah but both of them have incredibly sad pasts that do get talked about that's true in yes. the book yeah but no one's ever go, but like but because 
Ngozi Okazu did not choose to focus on that to make exactly. that the most important part of right. the story. No right. one's ever going to give this book any sort of critical prestige, mm-hmm. like consideration for drama. When then yeah. he got beat up by his own father's football team yeah. when he was like twelve, mm-hmm. and Jack has so much anxiety that he tried to OD and kill himself. Right. Yeah. 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 But like it, the thing that's interesting about that is that because it's not the focal point, it's actually an improvement of craft. It actually, if more people end up doing it, will create a new way for the Western tradition to move because we're still stuck on Austen and Dickens and Trollope and every one of those 19th century novelists who built what we consider great storytelling from the ashes of, you know, the Iliad and all those places. (laughs) They taught us that like conflict is the driving force and if you don't have enough of it drum it up make it bigger Jane Give Austen taught us that conflict is the driving force <laughs> her conflict was of a, her conflict was a drawing room sort but there are all kinds of weird things that just sort of randomly happen not randomly she makes them not random but like at a certain point you're like girl really so and so's cousin just happened to have to die just so that the wedding of her dreams could happen. Yes, about, like it's it it it's it that's contrived. That's the whole point of it. But so is all literature. Yes. Yeah, right. 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 <laughs> but I mean, I think I think to constantly contrive at the point of conflict creates only one form. Whereas if you just pull it out and say, well, what happens if there's if the conflict's not the focal point? Hey, and the reader can still the reader gets to smile. Yeah, but also as given by my incredibly high pitched impassioned speech two minutes ago, the reader can still care about it deeply though too. Like it can still be just as affecting to the reader without it being this constant like how every television drama likes to do anymore. Like what terrible thing can we make our main character suffer this week, and how can it top (laughs) last week's terrible drama? The Flash. The Flash. The Flash. Riverdale. (laughs) Game of Thrones. CW. Oh, God. Even Downton Abbey literally Downton Abbey from this problem. Yeah, they're like, last season. Face and Anna can never have two minutes of peace. (laughs) (laughs) The doors open. We're opening it. God, two minutes. I can only imagine. With that eruption. (laughs) You know, I I think that's uh, my... I don't know. That might be my favorite gen eruption since. No! <laughs> no, you can't have a baby in the library. No! <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. That was a good one. Um, we do have to wrap it up because we are running short on time. The library is open. Oh, Ooh. but do we have time? What really quick, listeners? If you're re- if you're I reading, don't even have if one. you're listening, have we converted you yet to more pictures and less words? Who wants to read check, please? No. I'm saying, like, right, check, yes, please. All, Wonderful. And also, just read a card. I mean, it's yes, they're intimidating if you're not used to them because you're not used to them. But so is everything you've ever read that you're not used to. Like, yeah. just and try. I think as we've kind of proven here as well, <laughs> if you go, but I really like this particular type of genre. We can find a graphic novel that works. Yeah, yeah they, it's they there. run the spectrum. Yeah, we can find yeah. you something that still fits with what you like to read in a print novel. Yeah, yeah, it's there. Do you want me to just throw a random one out? That There's just... about to be a Bridgerton graphic novel. I was, I was like, looking for this smack. Yeah. Do, do you want Bridgerton. one that's bad? Do you uh, want one that's smack. funny? Because I can throw a couple, couple out. I'll no, just give us one. Uh, Mr. Incredible. Oh dear God. 
Okay. Wreck It Ralph. Uh uh. Mm. And Shrek. <laughs> okay, first, okay. <laughs> Mr. Incredible from The Incredibles, right? Yes. Yeah. Kill him. Just bye. Fair. Bye. He's too much trouble. I mean, that's like mar- that's like willingly marrying um, Peter Griffin. Don't do it. <laughs> Actually, you're gonna it's like, no. Fifteen, ni- 19 seasons of that one did no. show up as one of the smack options. No, no, that no one needs that kind of drama or trauma. So yes, kill Mr. Incredible. <laughs> Marry Wreck It Ralph because he's bay all day long. And honestly, like. Shrek is gross. Then you might turn into an ogre afterwards. But if that's your true form that you were meant to be all alone. <laughs> but sometimes you have to get a little muddy when you're snogging, so you know I actually completely agree with you. Go down. Can that be the tagline for this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just, re- ooh, the optics of me being the person who said that is a little, mm. well, all right. <laughs> You've already said it, no take backs. Your children weren't listening, and even if they were, they didn't understand a word I just said. <laughs> oh, God. Is Jen listening to this? Do I need to throw out another one? Like, I can throw out a couple. I'm trying to think of, like, I'm trying to pen enough comics people together real quick to... Green Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, go. Mary Barry Allen, even though he screws everything up, we're going to snog Supergirl and then we're going to kill Oliver. Because, you know. Yeah, I don't care for Oliver. Oh, Oliver? He. You watch, like, what, eight seasons of Arrow and he just screws everything up consistently? I'm like, Barry, really... time travel is always the answer, Allen? I mean. We, you're also approaching these from a CW understanding. Wait, what are the three? Green Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl. I have no dog in this fight. You marry Supergirl. I mean, I'm kind of you're all wrong. <laughs> yes, but I'm also kind of going from the comic standpoint slash cartoons that I read, watched as a kid standpoint of The Flash. Yeah. And he's honestly one of my favorite characters. You so snog I kinda, him, though. So I kind of have a bias against that, so. You snog him, and Arrow is... We're in Killing Arrow. Yeah. I just switched your child. Yeah, you just... So I'm marrying Barry. Throw. You can have care. You want to marry Barry? You like the troubled ones, don't you? I do. I, I mean, really do. But I was going to marry Anakin Skywalker, so, you know. I'm whatever. afraid of going anywhere near Barry Allen because Irish best would kill me. But I'll take her. Let's throw down Irish. Let's go.